0: You're listening to Legal Skinny Podcast with Trisha Burita. I'm a 15-year licensed practicing attorney in the state of Texas. I created Legal Skinny because when I've been invited to do educational seminars on different subjects in employment law, employers and HR professionals would often ask me, where can they find out a little more information on this or a little more information on that? Look, I get it, there's a lot of resources out there, but sometimes it's confusing and people are so busy. Sometimes people have only 30 or 15 or maybe even five minutes in their day to devote to learning something new. On this podcast, you'll hear me have discussions and interviews on topics relevant to employers. Disclaimer though, Skinny is for entertainment and informational purposes only, not meant to provide legal advice and doesn't create an attorney-client relationship. Also, remember, laws change or they differ by jurisdiction. So this is not a substitute for seeking legal counsel in your jurisdiction on the current law applicable to you. So there is a new president and administration coming into power on January 20th, 2021. And this will likely, almost most definitely, mean change. This isn't a political podcast and I'm not intending to get into the politics of anything. Believe me, there's tons of podcasts, news, shows, blogs, uh, uh, individuals giving their two cents on the politics of the change, right? That's coming. But I focus on the employer. What is on their horizon and what can they start to think about now that may help them prepare for any changes that might come in the form of federal laws from this new administration? So with that being said, looking into the future and trying to forecast the change that may come, what will President Biden seek in the form of changes in the near future? So let's let's chat about the President's wish list. So he's published what he calls the American Rescue Plan, which uh, of course appears to be an outline of the legislation and uh, you know stimulus package he intends to support moving forward. So there's all kinds of issues listed in this plan and, and I'm not going to chat about all of that because it's not what I see as necessarily the items that are directly affecting you as an employer, HR professional uh, and trying to work through what changes might come that would affect you. So I'm going to talk about three pieces briefly <laughs> and sort of outline them, you know, cuz of course these are wishes, so we haven't we don't have like legal language that I'm sort of going through. I'm going through you know, just these ideas that are on his wish list uh, that we may see and, and will see um, most definitely put in some form of legislation and uh, run through Congress. Um so in this sort of wish list, the first the first wish that I would like to talk about is this increase in the federal minimum wage from the current rate of seven dollars and twenty five cents per an hour to fifteen dollars an hour. So this is not new. This has been a sort of movement in America for and, and globally, actually, for a while. It's often called the Fight for 15, which you can read more about at uh, fightfor15.org. But essentially, there have been uh, protests and strikes across the U.S. and globally, but to move, uh, at least in the United States, to move the federal minimum wage to $15. And this, this goes back to... As far as at least 2012, and and that's why I was talking about that website talks a little bit more about the history. If you're interested in it, but if you're familiar with this movement, then you know that that some of it got started, of course, with the fast food workers and you know a discussion surrounding the poverty level in the United States and a potential need for change. The movement claims that you know the fight for fifteen dollars began in 2012 when 200 fast food workers walked off the job to demand $15 an hour and union rights in New York City. It's uh, turned into a global movement, which uh, they cite being in 300 cities on six continents, you know, representing fast food workers, home health aides, child care teachers, airport workers, uh, professors uh, that are adjunct, retail employees, and and other types of minimum wage jobs and, and employees. It's grown to create initiatives, of course, through several state governments here in the United States that have gone forward and passed laws to create a track over a series of years to get to this $15 state level minimum wage. And and the U.S. House of Representatives actually passed a Raise the Wage Act in 2019 in an attempt to make it happen at the federal level. So... (laughs) I guess my point here is this has been a long time coming. It's not something to take lightly from the employer perspective because there are a lot of people that want to see this happen. So this isn't just, you know, something that, um, you know, was thought up overnight and 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 thrown into this sort of American rescue plan. So what does that mean for you as an employer or an HR uh, representative, um, you know, well, it's possible that the minimum wage could be changed to $15 an hour uh, after it's been, you know, debated and hashed out and some legislation's been proposed or, you know, uh, throughout the debates of, of what gets in or out of these, you know, coming legislation, it may not make it in. But if it makes it in, you know, uh, because of the business community already suffering, and, you know, I wouldn't be surprised that we see something similar to what the states had passed, which is sort of a progression rather than like an overnight, you know, in three months, the minimum wage changes from $7 and 25 cents to $15 an hour, that instead there's some sort of progressive timeline, which is what some of these states have done over a period of years that leads up to the $15 an hour. And, and the reason is because I think because the business community has been suffering and there's some economic issues involved in here, that may be what would be considered by some to be a reasonable way to approach it, while still reaching that fifteen dollars an hour goal? Now, all of this may not come as much of a shock, of course, to these states that have already passed this type of legislation, and so, or even states that had higher uh, wages than the federal minimum wage anyway. So maybe it isn't quite a bump if you if if the state already had twelve dollars as the minimum wage, and to bump it up to fifteen is only the three dollars, right? Um so what can employers do I think um you know thinking about it in the states that 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 would be quite a jump uh or at least some piece of a, a jump from what you're normally paying if you have minimum wage workers is I think you have to take this seriously and look inside at the business so when I when I hear about this and I'm thinking about it I'm not just thinking about the minimum wage I'm thinking about what else also increases right when the minimum wage increases with an hourly worker Under the Fair Labor Standards Act, I'm thinking the overtime rate, right? So while before employers may have been a little lax about the overtime because it was only an hour here or there, now you have to factor all of that in. You know, employers may be looking to clean up those policies surrounding overtime where you're very strict about who and when people work overtime, possibly, and having the understanding of who's working overtime and who's not. It may be more beneficial that the tasks that would require some type of overtime work are, are with your exempt workers versus your hourly workers, right? Because the exempt workers aren't going to be subject to, you know, this type of change that's coming. If it, if, if it truly, in fact, does get passed into law. So there's some running of money numbers, you know, it's inevitable. And uh, if, if you think, if you're thinking, okay, if this happens, I'm, you know, I already know that in order for us to sustain the workforce, it, you know, um, there may be, have to be some layoffs of individuals or try to consolidate some positions. So I, the only thing I would say to that is that, you know, uh, businesses are going to have to look inside at their numbers themselves, figure out, you know, how this is all going to work out if this does truly become law. And that's something that you can start thinking about now, you know, whether or not you are going to have to lay off individuals, whether or not you're going to be okay, whether or not this is going to change, you know, the way the business, you know, uh, runs or, or handles certain pieces of the business. But I think if you're from an, you know, the employment law perspective, if you're trying to figure out layoff of individuals or consolidation of positions, that always should kind of be a thoughtful process, both from the business perspective and to avoid discrimination and other legal issues. So um, it shouldn't be like, you shouldn't wait. It passes into law, you know, um, and then you're just like, whoa, okay, uh, let's just start laying off people. This needs to be a thought through process. And I think it's not a bad idea since it's been named on the president's wish list that it's something that you start sort of mulling over and thinking about now. The second item on the wish list is in, in this American rescue plan that I want to talk about is some discussion surrounding the authorization to OSHA, the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, to issue a COVID-19 protection standard that covers a broad set of workers. Now, what's laid out in the American Rescue Plan is pretty vague to some extent, but it indicates that, you know, they'll ask Congress to authorize OSHA to have uh, some new standard on different workers, okay, that wouldn't normally or typically be covered by OSHA, like public workers on the front lines um, or other workers, that and, and give them some protection from unsafe working conditions. And it's noted here and retaliation, which means, of course, you're looking at those issues of whistleblower claims that can happen when an employee complains about the workplace being unsafe, and then the employer doesn't handle it properly or they let the employee go or treat the employee differently in some sort of adverse way. And then the employee claims, hey, I was treated differently because I tried to tell the employer about a safety issue and they run to OSHA. So all things you want to avoid <laughs> as an employer. So uh, that's, that's on the wish list in this American Rescue Plan. So something to kind of think about and certainly watch because uh, we would like to see a little bit more about what exactly it is that uh, would be changed with OSHA and how that would affect um, you as an employer if that change would affect you. So uh, it talks about providing additional funding for OSHA for enforcement. What does that mean? You know, more funding for a government agency uh, that that does enforcement, especially OSHA, that, you know, OSHA does a lot of different things, but certainly the the aspect of specifically saying they're going to give them more money in order to you know, crack down on the unsafe working conditions and retaliation issues is something that employers should keep an eye on. And then the final item on the wish list that I want to discuss is the paid sick and family medical leave. <laughs> so he lists that, and I'm laughing because uh, this is just like the never ending saga of this law that they keep having an expiration date to that doesn't appear to be expiring. So uh, the you know, I wondered for a while if, if whether or not they would try to push for, you know, a permanent sick leave, but, but this is actually, that's not what's in the wish list at this point. Uh, What's in, what's listed in the American Rescue Plan is the expansion of the paid sick and family medical leave, of course, your FFCRA. So uh, he supports it being at least brought back through to September 30th, 2021. And now remember, this isn't just the specific, you know, issues of paid sick leave, it's also that expanded family medical leave, right? So up to 14 weeks, technically, depending on the different reasons and how it all adds up. So when, right when you thought it maybe was gone, just, I just, I just want you to know that if you went, if you, if you listen to my podcast, episode 28 about the FFCRA expiration, December 31st, 2020 and what this means and the voluntary aspects and the expansion of the the tax credit, you know, and you're thinking, okay, well, I'm just not going to engage in that anymore. And I'm just not going to worry about it. Well, you might want to just go ahead and pull that policy back out, dust it off just in case, because it's, it's on the president's wish list And it's something that all the employers should, of course, be wary of, prepared for, you know what it looks like. It is, it is a peer if he gets his wishes going to look a little different. One of the things that's noted in here is that that they want to put the requirement back in place and eliminate exemptions for employers with more than five hundred. Remember, because if there were more than five hundred, if if the employer had more than five hundred employees, they were exempt; they weren't that act didn't apply to them. So that looks like something that they're interested in eliminating in this wish list and uh, and less than fifty employees, so that any sort of Small business exemption that was allowed for in there, they're looking at getting rid of that as well. And then making it clear that the healthcare workers and first responders would get all these benefits as well, which would remember there was also some sort of opt in possibility for employers that were in the healthcare world to uh, not have to give these benefits. So if the ffcra does come back right <laughs> then it's looking like it may if if the president gets his wish it would look like a different ffcra a little bit different than what we looked at when it came effective became effective april 1st 2020 all right so there's also some wishes in there to expand unemployment benefits no big surprise there uh, i won't spend a lot of time on that you can certainly go read about it but uh, but there you have it. Remember, none of this is law. So we'll still have to see you know the nitty gritty of what gets passed or doesn't get passed or what gets negotiated out. But it's something to think about as being on the horizon. I think there's more to come and discuss on this, but I think there's a lot for everybody to consider right now. So thanks for joining me on this episode of The Legal Skinny, the president's a wish list from the employer perspective. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Legal Skinny podcast. Do not forget to subscribe to get future podcast episodes. Also check out LegalSkinny.com to join our newsletter and get details on all the educational resources we offer the employer. Also disclaimer, remember Legal Skinny is for entertainment and informational purposes only, not meant to provide legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. Laws change or they differ by jurisdiction, so also remember, This is not a substitute for seeking legal counsel in your jurisdiction on the current law applicable to you.